So good morning. It's good to be here. It's good to be healthy. Good to be safe. Um, I hope all of you are doing what the health, health authorities have actually told us to do by keeping safe, uh, to keep social distancing, wear your mask, wash your hands, and all of these things are good, and they're all good witnesses. Okay, so we want to be good witnesses as a church and as as His people, and so follow the rules. If they say wear a mask, wear a mask. Um, don't fight it. Just be a good citizen, uh, because that is your witness. Uh, and so continue to do that. Today, as we continue our sermon series through the Book of Songs of Solomon, for those that are joining us for the first time, we are doing a testimony series like we do every summer where we have members of our church give testimony uh, as we preach through uh, one of the books of the Bible. And so we're going through the Book of Solomon, Songs of Solomon, and today, as I said, we, were, we will hear from Hannah Barlin. Uh, but for those that are just joining us, I want to give you a little bit of that background of the book. This is one of the wisdom books. Um, so it being wisdom book means that there are extremely practical things that, that are coming out of this book. So it is a wisdom book. It is written by King Solomon and is the best of his songs. It is called the Songs of Songs by Solomon, or the Songs of Solomon, because this is the best of the best. This is the best poetry that he's written. This is the, these are the best songs that he's written. And so this book uh, has three prominent characters throughout the Bible. If you have um, an ESV, the ESV kind of lays it out for you. It has the others, the she and the he. The he is Solomon. The she is his wife, the Shunammite um, woman. So it's one of Solomon's wives. Uh, and the others are the friends of the Shunammite woman. So it's either friends or family. So some, there are some parts of it where it's actually her brother speaking. Other parts of it is it's her speaking to her friends and her friends responding. And so those are the three main characters that are, are going through this, this, this book. Um, we know that the Shunammite woman is a woman of faith and she has great character. She is a woman that has, has really been faithful to God and really knows who God is and has walked out this life of, of faithfulness to God. She is not a wealthy woman. She actually is from, from if you read Songs of Solomon from chapter one, she is a poor woman. Uh, she comes from a, a poor family. Um, but the king laid eyes on her and the king just lavishes his love onto her. And so then this book becomes this love story between two lovers within the, 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 the confines of marriage. But there, there are, as, as I said last week, there are two ways that we could read this book. One as literal as just a conversation between two lovers. And the second way is an allegory of Christ to his church and the relationship that is written and, and, and talked about in Ephesians 5 as Christ to the church and as ch the church is the, is, is the bride of Christ. And so today, as we look at it, both ways are actually correct, but today, as we dive in, we're going to look at this book in a more allegorical approach. And so as Hannah comes and shares her testimony today, I I really believe that Hannah has a word of encouragement for the church. And so before she comes up, let's pray, and then Hannah will come and share. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, that we have the opportunity to listen 
uh, to what your word has to say, but more importantly, to just the witnesses within your church and the testimony that they give uh, for glory unto you. So, Lord, as we hear Hannah speak today, Lord, may you fill us with your spirit to receive just her testimony and be witnesses to her testimony of just your great love and how you move uh, in our lives. So, Lord, we thank you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hannah. Hi, um, I'm Hannah, and I'm happy to share another piece of my story today. Um, a few months ago, I was asked if I wanted to speak in this summer series. Um, I wasn't sure if I needed to because, um, you know, I've already shared last summer, and in that testimony, I spoke about my experience with rape. Um, the trauma that I went through because of it, um, all the coping mechanisms I used to numb and protect myself. Um, sorry, I've practiced this so many times I didn't expect to cry. Um, yeah, to numb and protect myself from the pain. And I was just in this dark cycle of hopelessness um, that I thought I couldn't get out of. Um, and I won't delve too much into it since you can listen to the whole thing on Five Stones' website. But let me spoil things for you. I did eventually find healing um, in God. And that experience overall is something that I'm not ashamed of. Um, it was painful, but the grace and healing that came after was nothing short of a miracle. And because of it, I'm able to live with increasing confidence and faith in who God is. And this brings me back to my hesitation about um, speaking this time around. I was in the middle of a 12-step program called Freedom Sessions. And I decided to join because even though I was healed from that major trauma, I still felt like there were these less obvious you know, sins and issues in my life that I needed that I felt needed to be addressed. Um, things like how I dealt with my anger, my bitterness, doubt, anxiety, and so much more. And even though they're invisible, um, they can become debilitating to your daily life. Um, they really did feel like symptoms of a deeper issue, and I didn't know what it was, but I was determined to sort it out. So in the midst of working through that, I wasn't sure if there was anything that I could offer to the church. Um, but then I realized it's not about what I could offer, but what God could offer through my story and what I'm going through. So we always hear about these big breakthroughs, and they're almost entirely shared after the fact. And rarely do we hear about um, the daily victories or even the works in progress and I am a major work in progress. Um, so that said, what I've been going through in the year after I shared my testimony felt so trivial compared to you know, the story about overcoming rape, and I felt like my life was good enough because I had already worked through the big issue, and I was content with, with what I had at that time. So let me pick up from where I left last summer. 
After sharing what I had gone through, especially with you know the stigma around mental health, rape, sex, and porn addiction, I felt so liberated being able to share my story to the church and to the internet. I was riding a high off of you know that freedom, and I felt that for me this is this is as transformative as my life gets. I was in a place where I felt like you know, okay, I've been trying to climb over this dark, foggy mountain so I could enter into this, you know, just bright valley of healing, peace, and just, you know, having that bright, normal future that everyone else seemed to have. And now that God has lifted that burden, you know, maybe, maybe this is where I'm meant to be. Maybe this is a good resting place. Even though there was a small part of me that felt like there was more to life and there was more to my growth than this. But I also felt that it was close enough. I think it was just that your growth and healing process is really hard. You have to really break the very core of who you are so you can get past, you know, just just all the trauma that you've gone through. And that's, it's exhausting. And I think I was scared that I would have to do it alone again. Um, and I didn't trust God. So, you know, I felt like I could at least see the, bright, the brightness over here. You know, at least I, I see a little bit of direction. I'm just going to follow that. But, um, and in terms of baggage, there's still all these little rocks um, that I carry, but I felt like it's okay because they're little and it's not as heavy as that huge trauma that I, you know, that big boulder that was on my shoulder. But in doing that, I'm telling God that he wasn't, he doesn't need to be there anymore. Um, he doesn't need to carry the remaining rocks for me. I felt like I was capable, and I finally had, oh, sorry, I left that. Um, yeah, and I finally had um, control over everything, um, which is really stupid of me because life doesn't work that way. We rarely ever have control of what happens to us. Just look at 2020. <laughs> Um, yeah, so even though there came, there were times I felt like I needed to do better, um, so I, when times, when times like that came, I started climbing this metaphorical mountain again, um, and, you know, this is me being dumb again. We all know that the way physics works in the literal and physical sense is, that the more you gain altitude, the more those same rocks I decided to keep feel heavier. And all I gained from doing that was fatigue and just going back into the cycle of taking three steps forward and you know sliding back down. And other days I felt that working on my issues and getting into that place of healing was just too exhausting and impossible. I felt like you know, I'm just going to stop here. This is as good as it'll ever get for me. And that's okay, because this is a way better place than it was last time. 
this is bearable, but it's not, it's not okay. Um, God doesn't want you to live a mediocre life where things are just okay and you struggle by yourself alone from time to time. And we are worth more than that. Um, in God's eyes, we deserve his best. And like just us being so uncreative, um, what God has intended for us um, is always more than anything we could ever imagine. And a lot of times we settle because we don't have faith that God will pull through, that he can provide, or simply that he loves us enough to give us more than we deserve. And, you know, just this week, I actually had my younger brother call me out on this mindset. I didn't even realize that I had subconsciously been believing that about God and myself. I thought I was over feeling like I wasn't good enough. But, you know, there were still bits of pieces of myself that felt like because of everything that I've done and everything that's been done to me, I was too far away from God. And, you know, you don't understand the level of humility you get from having your baby brother tell you that you're wrong and to think that he's actually right in telling you that you're wrong. You know, he said in verbatim, why are you putting your expectations so low? You don't actually have that much faith in God because if you did, your standards wouldn't be down here. And, you know, that little hand action he made, it, it made me so angry and just ashamed and it just hit the nail in the coffin and I I just you know I just didn't know what to do that's you know you're the older sibling you're always you're always usually right <laughs> um, but I wasn't at this time and you know he he really was right though um, I realized that the moment I became selective and asking God for help in certain areas in my life was the moment I lowered my expectations on what God could do or be in my life. I stopped believing in his unconditional love, and that was only barely a few months after I had shared my testimony last summer. I thought that one moment of healing fixed me for good, and I had this misconception that God just snaps all those issues away. You know, your problems never go away. Like, they really don't. I still struggle today. And, but what God does is he provides the peace, grace, wisdom, and support that you need to work through them. I also assumed that I could just get through it without any work involved on my part. You know, I can just leave it to God. But sometimes the work involves taking a huge leap of faith. And we all know that's, a lot of work to do, um, or even acknowledging that you're wrong. And I've also realized, which is really hard for me because I'm probably the most impatient person in the planet, um, I realized that waiting in itself is an act of faith. You know, God doesn't work on our timeline because we don't even know when the right timing is for us. And for everything that we think needs to happen, 
Um, there's so many times I've gotten so impatient with God and took things into my own hands. And, you know, in hindsight, there's really no reason for me to do that, especially when there's so many things in life that are out of my control. And really the only things we have control over is how we respond to them. Like, do we respond in fear or do we immerse ourselves in God's love? And there's so many times I've chosen to respond in fear. I think for someone who's an impatient perfectionist with a history of anxiety, trust issues, and self-doubt, it's really easy for me to fall into this web of worry and worst case scenarios. It's really exhausting. Um, when I tell you I spent New Year's Eve crying to my significant other, Kaylin, I was experiencing one of my worst panic attacks. You know, you had fireworks blowing up in the background, um, people celebrating, and then there's me gasping for air. And while people were counting down to 2020, he and I were counting down to regulate my breathing and just, you know, just so I could just stop crying. But I felt so overwhelmed with what I thought I needed to accomplish in 2020. You know, beginning of the year, people, people were saying 2020 is about to be their year. And I just put so much pressure into myself. But in hindsight, um, being 2020 vision and all, this year had a way of throwing a wrench in all our plans. Um, so if I had no plans, then there was no reason for me to be overwhelmed. But, you know, the problem still existed. I was still, at my core, a very anxious person and very impatient person. Um, so all those little issues I refused to let go and surrender to God had festered and reached a boiling point. That it only, all it took was a New Year's Eve celebration to trigger my anxiety. What was supposed to be a really happy event was just, it was really hard for me. You know, my body knew that there were so many other things that I needed to heal from, but I didn't know where or how to start. And that's when I realized that despite having worked through my experience with rape, I still needed help. There were still these coping mechanisms that had stuck around and disguised themselves as harmless bad habits and harmless, both of, most of which were escape behaviors stemming from my fear and anxiety. And the lines were so blurred, I never thought twice about what I was doing to myself and others until it was too late. And then I enter into this cycle of guilt and shame and then escape and, you know, it just goes on like that. And it's not that I wanted to stay in that space. I just didn't know a way out. And I felt that I deserved to be in that space. Um, but no one deserves that. Um, so in the span of seven months, God has been able to show me a way out and then some. He showed me a way to flourish just by choosing him over fear. And I realized this fear came from being disappointed in relationships, that feeling like I was never good enough or that there was something wrong with me. Um, 
I felt alienated, especially in spaces and people that were supposed to make me feel safe. Um, there were times when these experiences made me alienate myself because of assumptions that I've made about certain people in my life, which not only hurt them, but myself as well. And I think I had to hit rock bottom once again to give room for you know, love and growth. And I can truly say that my growth wouldn't be possible if I didn't continually believe that God is bigger than my past. He's bigger than all the issues that have piled up. Yeah, and that he, I was scared that too many things have happened, too many mistakes have happened, and everything was, was not, um, it was too far from re reconciliation. And, um, but yeah, he, he is bigger than that. He's able to free you from any fear, bitterness, anger, and even grief over the joy and hope that you've lost. And just like any relationship, I found that all God has wanted from me was to just trust in him and just to just really embrace that love that he has for me. And it was a kind of faith that allows me to see who he is and how he sees me. And the belief that all I need is his unconditional love, just to make everything, you know, just to heal and just to be a better person and be at a better place. And this place that I'm in right now, I have fun with God. It's such an odd thing to say, but I really do. I get excited for what's next. It's not like that every day, but for the most part, it is. My head is so much more peaceful. I have more room to just enjoy life as it happens. Um, this might be easy for some people, but that wasn't the case for me at all. Like, you know the amount of times I've had to live through all, like every single worst case scenario in my head, I would go from point A to point Z about just anything wrong that could happen, even if it's physically impossible. <laughs> um, and now I don't feel the need to do that. I could just sit there, close my eyes, you know, take deep breaths and lift them up to God. And that's all he wants, you know, seeing that in everything, my faith is in him, not in myself, my relationships, my job, my finances, or even my past. Or even if I lose everything, I know I'll be okay because I have him. And, you know, the way I thought about this situation before was totally different than how it actually is. I thought that I would just be isolated from everybody because God only wanted me. But that's not what God wants. He provided people in your life for you to just love on them, to learn from them. And 
Um, yeah, so all my relationships have been blessed in the process of this, you know, growth. And I think with God as um, your partner, you start to embody all the characteristics that he has. You know, as God teaches me what it means to be in a relationship with him, I've also been able to work on my relationship with myself, you know, my family, my partner, and my friends. And with unconditional love at the center of my relationship with God, I've seen that love is patient and kind. You know, that gave me more room for patience and kindness, especially for myself and for others. I've had to learn that love isn't proud, nor is it selfish, and love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. There's no room for bitterness, but a lot of room for hum humility and decency. I felt like I had more empathy for other people, for people in my life, people who have hurt me, to see why they've done that they've done, because at the end of the day, we're all hurting from something. And love is not happy with evil, but it's happy with the truth. I've gained a sense of freedom in only believing the truth about myself and who God is. And love never gives up. Love has forced me to not settle for broken relationships, but to make amends for whatever might have happened. For so long, I was okay with not sorting out issues with my family and a couple of my friendships as a result of certain decisions that we've all made in the past. I was okay with it because I didn't believe that God could release years of pain and misunderstandings. Um, in these past few months alone, I have seen all the unexpected ways God has brought my family and friendships together, back together. I've gotten so much closer to my parents, my siblings, Josh and Solomon, and my friends, all of which I thought was impossible for the longest time. Um, I've always thought that normal, healthy relationships with a partner, family, and friends were only reserved for other people, people who haven't suffered. <laughs> but that within itself is a lie. Um, he wanted me to have freedom in all my relationships with other people, and most of all, myself. He wants us all to feel beautiful and delightful inside whether it's through the ways he's met you, where you need him, or through your relationships. He wants you to know that you are worth loving, you're worth nurturing, you're worth treasuring and protecting, and you're worth his best. And this to me is what it means to be in a relationship with God. It's so full of love. And we also have to remember that love isn't linear. You don't just love someone and it stops there. It's always evolving, growing stronger every day, especially when it's nurtured daily. You know, it can be in your human relationships, but especially with God, it's 
it just keeps growing and there's the room for that is infinite and before i i end this i want to read this prophetic word spoken over me last spring um i'm sharing this encouragement because i know that most of us have struggled with these invisible issues be it feelings of anxiety bitterness, insecurity, confusion, and, you know, even feeling like, what exactly is my purpose on this earth? You know, all those feelings of hopelessness, rejection, and brokenness, and the list goes on. And there's so much healing that needs to be done in all, our, in all of our lives. We are, we're all human, we are prone to be in the cycle of hurt, whether you're the victim or perpetrator or both at different times. We have all been hurt because of certain decisions that people have made around us, even decisions made long before you were born. But it doesn't have to stay that way. Um, you don't have to shut yourself off from God because of that. He will meet you where you're at. It's still a struggle to believe that today. And yeah, it's still a struggle to believe that today. It's easy for me to give in to um, issues that I face every day, even if it's just for a few moments. But um, it does get better and easier the more you faithfully lift everything to God. You know, God wants us to practice mindfulness, to think of what is true, what is honorable, just, pure, and lovely. He wants you to remember the truth that there is someone that loves you unconditionally. That you don't have to come up with ways to get out of your situation. He will provide the peace and wisdom that you need as you go through that. He will walk with you. And it's hard and it's easy to be scared about surrendering every area of your life to God, especially when situations or people have removed that hope in you. But just remember that God is good. He gives, and he gives freely. So these are my words of encouragement to you, to us. You keep looking at the mirror and think that you still have so far to go. You think, Oh, I'm not there yet. There's no way. Maybe I won't ever get there, and I'm worried about that. You're very close to the top, and he's reaching out. You don't need to lift yourself up with that rope anymore. He's saying, here, grab my hand. It's different now. You know, you're going down the hill, and it's momentum that's going to pick up. And it's so much easier than pulling yourself up that hill and struggling by yourself. You know, I think this is a season for us when God is going to show you your future. You know, the enemy is constantly showing you your past and you're constantly doing a double take thinking, oh, that's, that's who I am. But that's not who you are right now. That's who you were. Um, God's saying, no, let's take a new direction. It's time to go my way, a new thing. Um, 
you had to learn to be a fighter. You've been fighting all your life, and sometimes people took that fight away from you. Sometimes you feel like, I can't fight anymore. But God is restoring a fighter in you. Now you're fighting for something different. You're fighting for what counts for him and not what counts for people. He's the one that created you and defined you. There's a new purpose and hope in you, a new creation. And this is what it means to be in a relationship with God. It's life-giving. Thank you, Hannah, for giving us just a, a raw testimony. And in so many ways, this testimony doesn't just speak life for Hannah, but it speaks life into the church. It speaks in a place where it brings out just how God wants to live with us. It brings out a place where he calls us out in, in things of our lives where we're holding on to things, just like the Shunammite woman in the book of S Songs of Solomon, where he, she comes to a place in chapter 1 of Song Songs of Solomon where she's just like, I'm very dark but lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar and the curtains of Solomon. Do not gaze at me because I am dark. That sometimes we carry within ourselves a darkness or the stones that Hannah w was talking about, that sometimes we, we weigh ourselves down with our past. We weigh ourselves down with a, in a place where, where we, we make it so much harder for us, for ourselves to be in this relationship with God because of the way that we see, see ourselves. But the, the beautiful thing is that God paints this picture in this book of this love relationship between Solomon and his wife which is so similar to how Christ wants to reach down to his bride. And as, as Hannah has given testimony today, there's so many things that she spoke about where we as a church, we as people, consistently get into this place with God. Where we forget who God is and how much God has lavished his love for us and we only see ourselves as sinners and we only see ourselves in the worth that, we're, that people have defined us and not the way that God has defined us. When we look at the relationship between the Shunammite woman and, and, and Solomon, Solomon in the fields sees this woman, this woman that, of dark complexion because of the fact that she has to labor in the sun. And so she sees herself, she sees her, her impoverished nature, she sees that I come from a broken family, I have a mother and, and brother, but I don't have a father, I don't even know where my father is, and because of that, I have to work. But Solomon sees this woman and says, I love you, I see your beauty, I see who you are, and I see who you could become, and these are all the things that I want to give to you, and that's what God wants to give to his church. But sometimes, we get into these places where we're like, I don't deserve it. That I am not worthy of these things. We see this as a very, very clear picture in chapter 5 where it comes to a place where they're in this love relationship and Solomon is coming, coming back into his chambers, into the night and the Shunammite woman is already in bed and Solomon wants to come and love and, and spend time with his wife. But the wife, it says this, I slept, but my heart was awake. A sound, my beloved, is knocking. 
So Solomon's at the door knocking. He's like, open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. For my head is wet with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. And what does, how does she respond? She comes up with these excuses. She says, I had already put my garment on. How could, how, I already put my garment off. How could I put them back on? So she's like in bed and she's like, I've already changed. How do I put my, I can't open the door for you. I, I'm already in bed. I'm cozy. I, 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 don't, I don't have time right now. And so Solomon continues and, and, and knocks. He's like, I've already bathed my feet. How could I soil them? I, my feet are clean. I don't want to step onto the ground to open up the door. She lives in a palace. How dirty could this be? But that's similar to us. We come up with these excuses as God is coming towards you and trying to pour his love out to you. We come with our excuses saying, mm, I just, I can't right now because of these things. Or we, we come up with lame excuses. Even though God's love is wanting us and desiring us and pouring out for us, we say, mm, not right now. This is my burden to bear. I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not worthy of these things that you have to offer me. But God is like, no, I want to give more. I want to I be with you. I want to I embrace you. I want to be in a relationship with you. I want to walk through every little step. Not just the big ones, not just the mountains that you have to climb. But the rocks that you keep in your pocket, I want those too. I want to take every single thing that you have, all those burdens that you carry, I want to have every single piece. It speaks, and as Hannah shared with us, it's, it's that faith that we're lacking. Sometimes we believe that, oh God, you've already helped me overcome such a big thing. I could do the rest myself. I don't deserve more in life. I'm not worthy of more in life. That sometimes we see the ugliness of ourselves and, and we feel like that's, that's good enough. What you've given me is already good enough. But God is saying that's not good enough, that I have more to give you that I love every aspect of you. As, as Solomon describes his wife, and I've, I've told you, actually, I have a picture to show you. After I preached last week, someone sent this to me. Um, that is the, that's the Shunammite woman that Solomon describes. Beautiful, right? Uh, I, I don't understand the literal sense of how she describes it, but this is actually highlighted in, in Solomon chapter 4 and 7. But the way that God sees us is so different from how we see ourselves. In so many ways, we see this illustration and we see that as ourselves, but the way that God describes us is not a picture of the ugliness of who we think we are, but a beautiful aspect of who you are that you don't even understand. God wants us to be in a relationship with him. He wants us to have this beautiful thing where 
we could enjoy the company of each other, but sometimes if we decide that we're going to hold back, we're going to keep that door shut, even when God comes after us, that relationship cannot happen. If we continue to read, we actually see that oh, eventually she deci- decides, you know what, I do, I do want to have, I want, I want to open my chambers to Solomon. And so when she goes and she opens the door, Solomon has already left. In so many ways, sometimes in our lives, in our relationship with God, when God gives us an opportunity, it's not that God leaves you. Is that sometimes opportunity needs to be grabbed at a certain time and in a certain place, just like the prophetic words that we were given. If we don't act on those prophetic words when God calls us out, calls it out of our lives, sometimes we will miss that boat. It doesn't mean that God doesn't come back, because if you continue to read, that relationship gets restored and that relationship comes back together, and there's always more. God always wants to give you more, but sometimes. If we don't react to the way that God calls us, we sometimes we, we, we will miss out. Not on God's love. We don't miss out on that. But we miss out on a, on, on a place of intimacy with God. We miss out on a place of God acting in our lives and giving us certain things in our lives for that moment. God desperately seeks after you. God desperately comes after you. God desperately chases after you. And that is his love poured towards you. He doesn't see you the way that you see yourself. He sees you in a much better way than you see yourself. He sees where he can bring you. He sees that he can make, just like the Shunammite woman, a poor woman into a queen, into a beautiful queen, That's how God sees you. That he wants to make all of us whole. He wants to lavish his love onto us and give us so much more. This is the relationship God wants to build with us. That it isn't about a brokenness. It isn't about the excuses that we have. But it is like a husband calling, her, calling his wife. Christ is calling the church. Our relationship with God is where we have to be faithful to God and knowing that he wants to be with us all the time. God wants nothing but the best for his church. Oftentimes we tell ourselves we don't deserve it or that we've received enough. And those are lies because God is saying that I have so much more to give you. This is the picture of the gospel. This is the picture of God giving you his son. This is a picture of God pouring out his love and saying, this is my son that I offer to you. The greatest gift that I could give is righteousness and a relationship that is wrong, that is righted, that I could restore brokenness within you. You are worth every moment with God. He desires, God desires it. He wants it. He longs it. He longs to be with you. And as Hannah said, you are worth your best. God knows that. Do you? I'm going to end off today with what Hannah had to finish the sermon today.
Let me read just a part of her, her testimony. She said this. She said, he wants all of us to feel beautiful and delightful inside. Whether it's through the ways he's met you where you need him or through relationships, he wants you to know that you are worth loving, that you are worth nurturing, you are worth treasuring and protecting, you are worth his best. That is what it means to be in relationship with God. It is full of love. We also have to remember that love isn't linear. It is always evolving, growing stronger every day, especially when it's nurtured daily. In so many ways, Hannah's word of encouragement is a sermon in itself. It is an encouragement to the church to continue to look after God and to allow God to pour his love and his faithfulness into your life so that you can remain faithful and you can remain in this love relationship with him. So church, I just ask you, do you know that God wants to be with you? Do you know that God wants to grow with you? And how are you responding to this? Where is your faith in the, in the moments when God is knocking at your door? So let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your love lavishly poured upon our lives. Lord, and through the testimony of Hannah today, we were, as a church, we just want to be encouraged in a place where we continuously seek after you. And Lord, that any baggage, any rocks, any things that we carry, that we could throw those aside and throw those towards you and let you take care of all of those things, casting all our cares upon you, casting all our anxiety upon you, casting all our, our, our self, self-loathing, the, the, the self-deprecating aspects of ourselves. We want to cast all of that upon you. And Lord, may we see the way that you love us is so much greater than the way that we love ourselves. So, Father God, as we come before you, we ask that your spirit comes and gives encouragement to our spirit. And we thank you for, you, for your word. We thank you for what you have spoken today. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Be blessed. Thank you for coming to our service. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you guys next week.